Not every one of our students is going to go to college. Not all of them should. Regardless of where our students' paths take them after graduation, we have a responsibility to prepare them for life. Each child should know how to use their passions and their learning to affect positive change in the world. Today, we'll talk with two career and technical education teachers who are empowering students as positive change agents. Welcome to episode 17 of the Education for a Better World podcast. I'm Mike Soskal. And I'm Diane Smokorowski. Each week, we will bring you conversations with some of the most dynamic thought leaders in education. This week's episode is sponsored by GoToScience, a tool that allows our youngest learners the opportunity to learn by going on adventures without leaving their classroom. We know that education will be the driving force for a bright, optimistic future. On each show... We'll introduce you to innovative ideas, we'll stretch your thinking, and help you see ways to empower students to affect positive change in the world. We are thrilled that you are coming along with us on this journey. Let's dream big. Before we get started today, we have a huge announcement to make. Diane and I are going to be leading a teacher adventure, and we want you to join with us. We've partnered with Bookbag Tours to set up a two-week trip to an amazing location in June of 2020. We'll be visiting some of the most unique schools in the world, leading incredible learning experiences, and collaborating with some of the world's most innovative educators. Want to know where we're going? Here's a few hints. As part of this experience, we'll be taking teachers on a wildlife safari. We're headed south of the equator. As part of this trip, We'll be attending a conference in an African capital city. We're going to Kenya. Unfortunately, space is very limited. To save your spot, visit bookbagtours.com. Make sure you mention you're an Education for a Better World podcast listener, and you'll get a $100 discount. Payment plans are available, so you don't have to put all the money down at once. We can't wait to go on this teacher adventure with you. Today's guests are Brian Copes and Steve Elza. Brian is this year's Life Changer of the Year and was a Global Teacher Prize finalist in 2017. He teaches engineering in Alabama. Steve is the 2015 Illinois Teacher of the Year and has taught automotive technology for 16 years. Brian and Steve, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So I'm a secondary uh, automotive technology teacher. It's my 16th year teaching, um, and I teach automotive from the beginner. So we start off with um, small little five-horse Briggs and Stratton engines all the way up to a live shop. And Brian, I know you're in the midst of starting a new adventure. I'm actually in the, the middle of a, a changeover. I have gone to a new school system the past four weeks, and I'm, I guess I'm in the, the, the beginning stages of uh, planning a, a, the opening of a new school in August. This is going to be a skilled trade school where we focus in teaching the uh, basically construction trades, culinary, health science, and the cyber, uh, cybersecurity, networking, and, and this type of thing. So uh, I'm one of the lead teachers to help start up a new school. So that, that's exciting for me. But I'll be hitting up the building trades, which is the carpentry, welding, um, electrical, and heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. So my students will, will be put in cohorts, 
and these uh, these students will go to the, the kind of the same math and English courses, but the math course will be focused around uh, what they're learning in welding or what they're learning in in carpentry. So it's going to relate the math uh, to things that interest the kids. It's going to connect uh, connect the dots, if you will. And the same thing with English. So the students that uh, you know learning the English, they're going to be learning uh, English as it relates to to the building trades. You know, if they're in the health science, they're learning the English. It's related to the the health careers. So we're really kind of trying to connect education with what 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 kids are going to see once they become adults in, in these particular trade areas. So I think that's a great transition. Uh, right now in education, we especially in the United States, we see a, a push towards STEM and career readiness and making sure that kids have uh, tangible skills once they leave high school. But one of the things that you've done so well is not only teach those skills, but also allow kids to understand how they can use those um, those qualities and those skills to make the world a better place for others. Well, one of the things that we did this uh, this past year, I had uh, three other school systems partner with me, and we took four shipping containers. These are forty foot shipping containers, look like semi trucks, and converted them into skilled trades classrooms. We transformed ours into a four booth welding lab. Uh, Ufala City Schools did a woodworking lab. Bibb County Career Academy did a small engine repair, and then Satsuma High School did a computer lab. And then this past summer, we took all four of our containers, our what we call container classrooms, to Balfate, Honduras. And um, basically, the minute we set these four containers on the ground and open up the double doors, we presented the community an instant vocational school. And this is something that this community has never had access to, so they were just thrilled and excited. Uh, matter of fact, I got to meet uh, twice with the vice president from Honduras concerning this project. So it, it gained a lot of um, national and international attention. I got to, to meet uh, the, the mayor of Balfate uh, about a year prior to the project. And uh, he kind of told a story to me. And what he said is, you know, his kids have very little access to education and no access to these skilled trades. The rural kids have a desire to do better for them and themselves in, in their lifetime. So a lot of times the rural kids will try to either migrate to a larger city or immigrate to another country, just seeking opportunity. And when they get to these large cities, they get swallowed up because they're there in the city. They want to make a living, but they have no trades to offer an employer. So a lot of times they turn to life of crime uh, just to survive. With the, the opportunities we're giving them through these container classrooms, all of a sudden they have got skills that they can offer employers and they've got opportunity that they, they've never had and enjoyed. Steve, I know you were part of the Honduras Project also. What was your experience like? Let me just say that, you know, I've had a lot of humbling experiences. Um, going to Belfate was one of those, um, one of those experiences that you'll never forget. And so seeing children that have, in our world, nothing, but they're so happy to have just a little bit that we brought them. And so these, these containers were shipped. We had to get them out of port 
trucked into Belfate and set on concrete pads that they had built prior to us arriving. This took an entire village. And so that entire village shut down. Uh, let me draw a picture of the school first. So first things first, number one is we have police on, on site to protect us, to make sure that nothing bad's gonna happen to us while this technology and equipment's coming in. Um, everything is, for the most part, it's all dirt, grass, gravel. Their computer lab would, would resemble computers from the early 90s. Their, their internet was on the level of dial-up. Classrooms that are con literally a concrete floor, bars over a window, and a door with a padlock on it. Outhouses, you know, they have an outhouse. Their running water is a, is a pipe coming up out of the ground. And so to see these kids, their joy for just life in general. So many of the things that we take for granted, they have joy in. And so, you know, getting these classrooms and setting them up was one piece of it, but then making it so that these classrooms were, were not only usable, for, usable spaces for them, but so they had connections outside of Honduras. And so for me, it was something that, that really changed, it changed my perspective on teaching. You know, and it, you know, I know that I live in a very privileged society. I know that I have things that many people don't dream of having. And so being able to give that, that, two, that two weeks to just being able to give back a little bit was such a humbling experience. And the end is needless. That's, the, that's really the, the heartbreaking part of it is that as we, as we did this, there was a, there was a rift between the Garifuna community, which is another community in Honduras, and the school in Belfate, because originally they thought that two containers were going to the the Garifuna school, and two containers were going to be in in Belfate, and uh, and so seeing the the pain in these in some of these administrators, teachers, and kids' eyes that they weren't getting two of these containers. Why are we not good enough to get two? Why is it that this? It, and it's just an unfortunate situation. I wish that everyone had that opportunity to give back that, that little piece. So I'm curious, how did this experience change you as a teacher? You know, I, I can come in there and, and give them these containers. I can give them opportunity or what I would call opportunity, but it's really what they give back to our students. And so that I want to create an atmosphere where my kids can experience that connection. So, you know, we do our part, they do their part. And we build this connection in the middle where we're supporting one another. So Brian, talk a little bit about the impact on your own students. Um, you talked about the impact on the community in Honduras. Uh, what has it been like for your own students to get involved in these kinds of projects? It's been life-changing. Uh, you know, I, I've had some unique experiences. You know, when I was uh, 15 years old, uh, back in 1985, you know, I was one of these really troubled students in high school. I was in and out of a lot of fights. You know, I, I was just bitter. And a lot of it stems because, uh, you know, I, I grew up from the third grade, probably all the way through my 12th grade, I was bullied. You know, I just really didn't enjoy school, which made me a very bitter teenager. But in, in 1985, I had the opportunity to go with a group to Liberia, Africa, and help build a five-room cement block school building. And it was on this trip that my eyes were opened up to a world beyond the, the Midwest where I grew up. I, I connected with communities and, and, and people in need. 
And I've traveled to six continents, and my eyes have really been opened up to the, the global needs that, that exist around us. And taking kids on these trips has been a truly eye-opening experience. In 2012, I took a group of engineering students to Honduras. On this trip, my students took down two small utility vehicles. Basically, these are, are some little cars that my kids have built using threaded water pipes. So it's a a car that could be built with uh, simple hand tools and low-skilled labor force. Uh, one of them is being used by the community as an ambulance, and the, another one had a, a freshwater well drill on the back of it. And then also on this trip, they fit um, 14 amputees with prosthetic legs that my kids made in class. You know, it, it was exciting because it's not really what, – what excited me wasn't what my students did for the Hondurans, but it was exciting to see my kids' eyes open to a world that they were impacting. Kind of the same experience I had when I was 15. I saw that experience just light up in the kids. And, you know, it became more than just the project. Because when we were there, we witnessed this community in a state of celebration. And they weren't celebrating the fact that we were there helping them. They were celebrating the fact that they were graduating their very first high school student ever in the history of their town. And we found out for a kid to go to middle school or high school, they had to bus to a larger town. So, you know, the, the, the townspeople couldn't afford it. So the kids were forced to drop out in elementary school age. And they would go down to the creek bed and they would find a little crawfish. And that might be the only protein they get for the day. And so ever since then, my kids have really been focusing how can we help? Uh, that, that's been their sole focus is how can we help? And each group I take down with, with uh, the, the projects that we do, they always come back, how can we do more? And uh, those are experiences and lessons I cannot teach in a classroom. Both of you sound like you're just doing an incredible job getting kids prepared for the workforce, for life after graduation, just to be good people. Steve, can you tell me a little bit about how your job has changed since you started teaching 16 years ago? <laughs> Technology is a key. You know, we've got cars today that have more electronics on them, more technology in them than our, than our first space shuttle had. The bottom line is we're still teaching mechanical understanding, but now there's a computer that controls everything. So technology has, has immersed our personal lives and it's absolutely immersed the automotive world. Before we continue our conversation with Brian and Steve, I'd like to give a shout out to the sponsor that's made today's episode possible. GoToScience is a tool that empowers pre-K through second grade students to learn through inquiry. Using the scientific process as the foundation, children love learning in every area of the curriculum. Check it out at GoToScience.com. Every month, we give away a free one-year subscription to GoToScience. To win this month, simply share our website with your followers on Facebook or Twitter and tag us. Our website address is ed4betterworld.com. I'd also like to remind you that Diane and I would love to work with teachers in your school to create incredible learning experiences for students. You can learn about our workshops on the podcast website. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, and your students actually are in national competitions. So they're not only learning how to repair vehicles and small engines 
in-house, they're going up against other kids across the country. Explain that process to me and, and the impact that's done for kids. Well, you know, that, that's the thing. When I, growing up, I didn't have, I, I had automotive was my passion. So, so I, I didn't have that real connection with school. So I didn't have that Friday night football game. I didn't have that, that swimming match. You know, so for me to show off my skills, no one really knew what I did. So, you know, when I started teaching, one of my big things was to show, show, showcase my kids. What do they, you know, share their passions with the rest of the, the community. The Hot Riders of Tomorrow Engine Challenge. Um, it's a team of five students. These five students literally tear apart a complete small block Chevy engine, carb to oil pan, flywheel to uh, water pump in um, our our fastest time is just shy of 18 minutes so it's set up to be like a nhra event and these kids learn you know taking apart the engine is fun and it's really a skill that they learn early on but the amazing part here is a the teamwork these kids uh really become a small family and and so it goes well beyond the automotive classroom and, and bleeds into everything they do. And so seeing them become this little mini family that supports one another and, uh, and really is excited for one another is really the key to the competition. So they do a, a regional event that, that we've made um, the entire 11 years of the competition. We've made it to nationals. It's amazing to watch these kids do what they do. So as I listen to you, Steve, I can feel the passion that you have for CTE programs and for uh, allowing kids to get their hands dirty as they're, as they're learning. How have you seen that impact kids in your school? How has it changed their life? The stories are endless, but, but it, you know, there, there's a handful that always come to mind. And so my first year teaching here, um, I had a young man uh, named Dan who absolutely had every bit of talent. What wasn't a bad student all around, but you know, just he he had the talent for automotive. This young man spent all his time in the automotive shop, but always had, you know, he was going to be an accountant, he was going to be in business, he was going to be in the medical field. You know, he fought being an automotive person his entire four years of of high school. So he graduates, moves on to the community college. Um, comes back, and he was one of those that came back and back and forth. He'd always stop in at my auto club. He'd stop in at competitions. We kept in touch. Roughly four years into his uh, community college career, and yes, I said four years, he goes, I, was like, I know what I want to do. I, I, I got to figure it out. I want to be, <laughs> I want to go to Southern and work in the automotive industry. And it was like this light bulb went off in his, in him that, you know, I found my passion. I'm like, I could have told you this almost eight years ago that this is where you ended up. And so he comes to me and he's got this. Uh, so we start working through some of the paperwork and he's got a 1.3 GPA. Miraculously, though, um, I had him, we loaded his schedule, all the class, I shouldn't say all, but several of the classes that he had failed, we re enrolled him in. And, you know, it's amazing when all of a sudden you have a passion, you have a drive, you have a reason for doing English, math, science you know, these core classes that we all know that they need, but when all of a sudden they have that passion to, holy cow, you can get A's and B's in those classes. So this young man spent, uh, you know, a semester and a summer, so two semesters, in getting his grades up, went on to SIU, and, and he went in, and it was a fight. We were all the way up to um, the dean of students to get him in. Um, we've had, we had numerous conversations. This young man ended up going to SIU, 
graduating uh, with a 4.0 at SIU. Absolutely amazing young man. And so it's, you know, he's, he's one of those success stories and I still keep in touch with him. He's actually, uh, he's here just about once a week. And so we talk, it's one of those people that I'll talk to on the phone on a regular basis. He stops in the shop, helps out my current kids. You know, he's just, he's an amazing man. And then you talk about the students that, you know, like Alex, who I don't know how we, I don't know how we got him through high school. You know, he's a young man that just, he did everything possible to try and get kicked out of school. He did everything possible to push everyone in his life away. And uh, the automotive classroom, again, was that place that he, he found home. And so his counselor and myself were, were on a mission to fight through him pushing us away and fight through the difficulties to get him to graduate high school. And, you know, those are the, those are the success stories. It's just, it, it, I, can, I can go on for hours talking about these kids, but they don't have a place in core curriculum. And the common question is, why do I need to know this? All of a sudden, they walk into that automotive classroom, and we give them that reason to succeed. We give them that reason to, to be who they want to be. We don't put them in a box. We don't, we don't tell them you have to know this. They, they, you know, we put the shiny part out on the table and all of a sudden they're asking the questions. They're, they're leading the discussion. I'm just, I'm just filling in knowledge and, and providing the opportunities. And then you got the same kids that, you know, are my AP students. I, you know, I had, oh, it was so awesome. I had, I had five girls last year and these girls were all AP students. Um, they were all off the charts academically. So many would ask, A, why are five girls in auto class? And I'll, on a side note, girls kick butt in autos class. And number two, why are students that have, you know, two, three AP classes in an autos class? And you know what the, the awesome part was, is they elevated the, the level of class, the, the problem solving, the questioning. They raised that bar but the amazing part is the reason they wanted to take that class is several of them were in engineering courses. They wanted to be better engineers. So they want, instead of just understanding how to design something, they want to know how does it work? You know, how do we use these tools to actually put this stuff together and test it? It's amazing when you look at that wide array of students that are all in the same class. Everyone from the student who is, is on the edge of dropping out to the student who just you know, middle of the road because they haven't figured out what their what their path is through high school to students who are going on to work for big corporations and, and make hundreds of thousands of dollars and their path is figured out for them. So seeing them all work together and, and really um, for one cause, which is finding their passion, is key. Brian, I'm going to shift gears for a second here and I'm going to ask you something that has nothing to do with career and technical education. I know that you are in the stages of planning a really important summit on school safety, along with a couple of other teachers from around the country. Can you talk a little bit about that summit that's coming up? Last year, the second semester of last year, from January until the end of the school year, here in the United States, we experienced, uh, on average, one school shooting a week. Now, some of these uh, school shootings made national news, and, and some of them maybe not even made their local news. Uh, because uh, the the how common the occurrences are, but uh, the the fact remains that school shootings take place on a regular basis. Matter of fact, the school that I was a part of last semester, they they had a lockdown about two two weeks ago, 
because they had a young man. Now, this is actually a very well-to-do community that, that we're in. But there was a young man that came in with a number of drugs and, and a multitude of weapons uh, in, into the school uh, premises. You know, there was not a school shooting, but, you know, it, it was one of those uh, tent situations for our students. So, you know, if our students don't feel safe at school, they're not going to be in the right mindset to learn. There, there was actually four Varky teacher ambassadors that put this uh, initiative together. What can we do to make a difference in this scenario, this situation? By far, I am not an expert on school safety, but I am a teacher, and uh, teachers, we're right there on the front lines. You know, we see things in the classroom, we see things in the hallway, and oftentimes in this uh, scenario, we, we, we're not included in decision-making, planning, and, and you know, the, the different things that we can do. The four, four of us Varky teacher ambassadors decided to organize a summit. Now, this summit is actually sponsored by the National Life Group. The National Life Group is uh, one of them that uh, is very involved in education. Uh, matter of fact, they do uh, what they call Life Changer of the Year, where they seek out not the top teacher in the United States, but the, the top school employee. They don't care if it is a custodian, a cook, a teacher, administrator, bus driver. They want to celebrate um, a life changer that, that's taken place in the school. So they have partnered with us in organizing this summit. It's going to be in Birmingham. Uh, we're inviting 50 lead teachers and administrators from, from across the United States to, to come and talk about school safety. And our focus isn't, you know, how do we make a classroom safe? Because we get a lot of training in that. How do we barricade ourselves in when there's somebody in there? But our focus is, why are so many kids acting out so violently? You know, and then how do we identify these kids that, that are at risk of this violent behavior and get them uh, remediation or, or conflict resolutions before it escalates into a, 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 a terrible situation? Last question for you, and it's a question that we ask of all of our guests. Uh, in one or two sentences, if you could change education in any way to make the world a better place, what would you do? Truly and honestly, if we could get past our biases, if we could break down those, those barriers, I would break them down in a heartbeat. And I know as teachers, we break them down in small, small bits and pieces, but I wish that we could demolish, explode, blow those biases. I wish we could blow them out of the water. I would make education relevant and impactful. Thank you for joining us today. Please visit our website at edforbetterworld.com. That's ed, E-D, the number four, betterworld.com for show notes and to learn more about inviting Mike and I to lead a workshop for your teachers. And don't forget to check the other podcast-related goodies. We want to thank Brian Copes and Steve Elza for joining us on today's show. Credit for music on the show goes to Midair Machine. Join us next week as we talk with award-winning teacher and learning experience designer Megan Power about how we can redesign schools so that they truly inspire our students. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and that it gave you some new ideas and perspectives. Through education and action, we can create a better world. Until we're together again, continue to dream big. And affect positive change. <laughs>